My name is Mike. It's good to have you join us, uh, if you're here in the building or um, uh, logging in online. Uh, we're going to continue our Psalms series in Psalm 101. And that was the correct New Testament reading that Sam did read. So it's 1 Timothy chapter 3, not Hebrews. Uh, I thought I'd uh, ask a question to start our time. And the question is, um, how is your personal integrity at the moment? How is your personal integrity? And personal integrity, they're things like your character. Um, they're things like, you know, your patience. How are you committing your, your faithfulness and commitments? How are you showing compassion to others? How are you expressing your love and kindness to people? What is your personal integrity like at the moment? I mean, it's an interesting question because um, some of us at the moment might feel like I don't have the headspace to think about personal integrity because um, maybe because of the pandemic, it feels like for many of us, we're having to do all the things that we usually do, but with extra stress. So like, do you remember a few years ago, if you, if you needed to go to the shops, for example, you'd kind of go, I need to go to the shops. And then you'd go to the shops. But now, when you think, I need to go to the shops, you start to second guess yourself about everything. Do I really need to go out of the house? Are there going to be lots of people at the shops? Should I take my children? Uh, maybe I can just go out another time. So we're having to operate kind of up here. And so it's very easy for then things like personal character to sort of get left on the back seat. Um, or regardless of our circumstances, uh, do you find that maybe um, you find yourself treating your personal character and integrity a bit like how you return your taxes? You see, um, we don't share the details of our tax. I don't know how much you earn. Um, you don't know how much I claim and what I claim for for tax deductions. The only way that you'll find out about my tax is if I commit a significant amount of tax fraud and then everyone finds out about it. And personal integrity, we can treat it a bit like that. I sort of don't share all the details of what I'm really like. And the only way that you'll find out about it is if I commit some significant moral failure and then it comes out in public. And Psalm 101 is going to challenge that view of personal integrity because it says that actually character is not just a peripheral thing. It's actually foundational and integral to the king as well as those who serve the king as well. So I'm glad we get to study this psalm. And so why don't I um, lead us in a prayer before we take a look. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us in, um, in person today and online to listen to you speak. So, Father, we do pray that whatever circumstances that we are experiencing at the moment, would you allow us now to put aside distractions so we can intently listen to you speak to us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Psalm 101 and verse 1. A psalm of David. I will sing of steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I'll ponder the way that is blameless, so when will you come to me? You'll notice that when David he starts to think about personal integrity, it's not like he starts by saying, my New Year's resolution this year is to be a more patient person, or to be a more forgiving person, 
he actually starts with a reflection, actually singing about the character of God. So that is David, he's actually his character, his personal integrity is a reflection of the very nature and character of God himself. And you'll notice he chooses some particular words, he says steadfast love. And that phrase, steadfast love, is actually it's a very important Hebrew word, and it's the Hebrew word chesed, chesed. Now, I get you to have a go at saying that, but it's not a COVID-safe word, chesed. So just think about it. Chesed is a word which captures the unwavering faithfulness of God to his promises, despite human rebellion that God would commit to fulfill the promises he has made. So one of the most powerful um, Old Testament images is of um, God is a faithful husband. And his wife, Israel, um, flirts and commits adultery with other gods time and time again. And yet God, God's chesed, his faithful love, means that he forgives Israel. He continues to love Israel. He cares for Israel. God's chesed is his unwavering commitment to fulfill those promises. And King David can't help but sing about that character of God. God, you are so faithful to your promises, and yet you still manage to uphold truth and justice. And so David begins his journey on personal character by reflecting on the very character of God himself. Now, on first reading, it sounds like you could make it quite formulaic. So it sounds quite good to say that you know God's faithful character is like this, and so I should act like this. And that's kind of true. The psalm does get there. But do you notice there's a strange question he adds in verse 2? In verse 2 he says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. And notice he doesn't say, and I will try to live like this. What does he say? He says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Then he asks, oh, when will you come to me? It's a strange thing to say. But what David, I think, is saying here is actually that when he thinks about personal integrity, he's not just desiring that he becomes a more virtuous person, like do better this year. No, David, what he yearns for, what he longs more than anything, is that he would have an intimate relationship with his creator God, that God would come to him and that he would enjoy the very presence and fellowship with God. What point is there trying to just be a good person and actually not have a personal, intimate relationship with your creator? And that's how we often treat our Christian faith is that when I think of character, I just should be more like this. But actually, the gospel of Christ actually says that Jesus comes to us, makes his home with us, dwells with us, in order to change our behavior, absolutely, but more than that, actually, to bring us into a fellowship, a restored relationship with God. So personal integrity must begin with that relationship, that coming of God to us. 
with that context, um, the king now basically spends the rest of the psalm resolving to live in a particular way for himself and for the people of the city. So we're going to start with the king himself in verse 2. So come with me again verse 2. He says in the second half of verse 2, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. The king here is resolving to make promises. And this is the language of election day promises. I will do this. I will not do this. But you'll notice that it's not the type of promises that our politicians usually make. Like, he's not promising to provide free rapid antigen tests to everyone. He's not promising to boost the economy by 25% for the next three years. He's promising that actually his conduct will be in a particular way. That his character will actually be reflecting the character of God. One of the challenging promises I think he makes is when he says, I will walk with integrity where? Within my house. Within my house. So when the king speaks of personal integrity, when he says, I will know nothing of evil, he's not just saying, I'm going to live with integrity in front of the cameras. When people are looking, now I'm committing myself to living God's way when no one is around. When no one is around. When the cameras are off. Now, I don't know about you, but that is an incredibly bold promise to make. If I can give you an example from my own life for a moment. Um, at the moment, we have two young children, and one's a, one's a toddler, she's three years old, and every time that people play with our daughter, they say, oh, she's, she's a very kind of easy, chilled out child to play with. But I find, because I have to live with her, that I find my patience running thin constantly. Even when she's just trying to help, I find myself losing patience and telling her off. I send her into time out even before she's done anything sometimes. So I know, and I'm sure you know, how hard it is to be the same person at home as it is in public. So friends, I think there is a challenge in here for us to be consistent, but I think more so than that. The promise here is to draw us away from King David because he is not someone who could fulfill that promise. He broke his promise to be that person. And instead, it points us to a better king, the King Jesus Christ. And when the New Testament speaks of Jesus, who was like us in every way, who was tempted yet without sin, it's only there that we see the king who meets and fulfills this promise. So friends, again, personal character, personal integrity, it's not about just trying to pull your socks up. Personal character is only possible as we follow the kingship and submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ. 
having said all that, it is still true that those who belong to the king have a particular character about them which reflects God himself. And you'll notice there from verse 5 that the focus shifts away from the king himself to those who are part of the city of the king. So come with me to verse 5. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. I will look with favor on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the way that is blameless shall minister to me. No one who practices deceit shall dwell in my house. No one who utters lies shall continue for my So not only does the king set a standard of living for himself, but actually if you belong to the king, God's king, then that's actually a character, a standard of living, which is to be expressed. When Sam, did you notice, read that New Testament passage in 1 Timothy 3, the church, one of the ways the New Testament describes us as the church is it uses this language of the pillar and buttress of truth pillar and buttress of truth. Now, if you don't know what a, a buttress is, um, it's one of those, like, you imagine a wall, it's a strong supporting structure which helps hold the wall up. And it's funny, if you actually Google buttress, it gives you quite a funny, um, def- like, example definition. It says the cathedral has a massive buttress. So, um, um, a buttress is this incredibly strong, firm structure. And the church... Timothy, in Timothy, is saying that um, Christ has died for this church in order to make it um, known for its truth and godly living. And so Psalm 101, in a similar way, describes the city of God's people as living with particular integrity. So what kind of things are there about this city? Well, he says there, um, he talks about how we use our speech, he talks about whoever slanders, his neighbor will be destroyed. In verse 7, whoever utters lies. So speech is obviously important for the people of God. But I want to draw your attention to one particular example in verse 5. If you have a look down there, he says this. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. What's a haughty look? Haughty is sort of another word for arrogant. What's what's an arrogant look or a haughty look? What he's not talking about is that you look like an arrogant person. He's not talking about your facial expressions. You know some people just have this natural resting face, which is just a bit like, what's going on there? Um, He's not talking about facial expressions. When he says haughty look, he's talking about an arrogant attitude, which puts yourself as more important than others and others lesser than yourselves. Now, that's very general, I understand. So I want to give you um, one expression of haughtiness and arrogance. One way in which haughtiness and arrogance can express itself is in envy. So envy is the resentment, that feeling of resentment you feel towards other people, um, particularly when they enjoy something which you think should belong to yourself. So say that again. Envy is that feeling of resentment towards someone when they enjoy something 
that you think should be yours. It could be a job, it could be a particular place that you live, it could be a particular friendship circle that someone else has. Now that's a little bit different to the general longing of something you don't have. Envy generally expresses itself in ill feelings towards that person. So it says, I want that for myself, but more than that, the fact that you enjoy it, I don't like that. And I wish it was taken away from me. Do you ever find your heart moving in that direction? That's haughtiness, a haughty look and arrogance. And for us as people who belong to Jesus, our King Jesus, there can be no place for arrogance, can there? For as, as one writer put it, we come to Jesus all as beggars in need of forgiveness. So how could we possibly view others as lesser than ourselves? Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, he will not endure. Well, finally, the psalm ends with a warning from the king against the wicked. So come with me as we finish the psalm in verse 8. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land, cutting off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. The king, do you notice, is the one with authority to destroy the wicked and remove the evil from God's now, that language, morning by morning, implies that it's actually one of the key priority tasks of the king to remove wicked people. Because in the morning is when you do all your most important tasks. Because you wake up, you've got your morning coffee, you're ready to go. So you do all your important tasks first thing in the morning. By afternoon, you've got your food coma, so you just do administration. The morning is when you do the important tasks. Morning by morning, it's the king's role. The king makes it a priority to remove the wicked people from the city of God. Now, if that's true, I think this is quite a confronting verse for us. Because if it's true that God has given the authority to judge to his son Jesus, then that means that King Jesus has made it one of his priority tasks to remove people who do not submit to his kingship. So if you're someone who perhaps you're seeing here or online who's thinking, I don't, I'm not sure whether I want to give my life to Christ, can I say it's a very bad choice to leave it up to chance? Because King Jesus has decided actually it's my priority to remove those who do not submit to the authority of the not because I'm nasty, not because I just, I'm just i trying to be exclusive, but actually because I cannot tolerate evil in the city of God. Morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked of the land. Friends, Psalm 101 is a wonderful psalm. It makes clear that personal integrity is actually foundational to both God's king, God's leader, but as well as God's people. 
But I want you to see today, especially that Psalm 101, it's not this code of conduct to sort of put up there and make sure that you try it a little bit harder in 2022. It's actually a psalm which asks the question, how are you walking with the King? What is your walk with Jesus like? You know how in the backyard after church we often ask each other, how are you going? The Bible's way of asking that question is, how are you walking? How are you enjoying the fellowship and forgiveness that King Jesus offers you? And how are you submitting and giving your life to his kingship over your life? Friends, um, it seems to me that in our age, many people are giving their lives over and their ambitions to career, their ambitions to pursuing hobbies, finding fulfillment in the things that they enjoy. I think Psalm 101 actually says, if there's a career or ambition worth striving for, I think it's, it's saying, come and join the career of walking with King Jesus. That is the ambition which is actually worth it. It's not trying to climb 14 peaks. It's actually coming to walk alongside and under the kingship of Christ. So friends, finally, as we begin the year together, can I encourage all of us um, not to treat our personal character and integrity, our walk with Jesus, like our taxes. Why don't we try sharing it with each other, exposing um, the things that we struggle with, our joys, the things that um, God has helped us to triumph in over sin. And unlike King David, Jesus will fulfill his promise to us that when we are weak, when we are weary, when our knees need strengthening, as Hebrews talks about, that he will give us that strength to continue following him. Why we pray together? Our great Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Psalm 101. We thank you that in your land, in your city, in your kingdom, we thank you that purity and righteousness reigns. And Father, we thank you most of all that our Lord Jesus Christ is the King who walked in perfect blamelessness. So allow us to rest in his salvation, but also strengthen us to live in obedience to his will. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name.